This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 129 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you with the generous support of Equestrian Collections. Hello, I'm Chris Stafford, and welcome back to the Dressage Radio Show. Joining me this week from Down Under is our friend Brett Parbury. Brett, welcome back to the show. Hi, Chris. Always good to be on the show. Since we've spoken last, I went back to Europe to ride Lord of Loxley again, who, who's in training with Edward Gale. Um, didn't get a chance to take him to a show because I had to rush back to Australia to to um, prepare for the Australian Championship. So um, just cut my trip short there. And uh, then came home and, and um, got a surprise that Victory Salute was, was um, not fit for competition. So, um, yeah, it's been an up-and-down month, but, but, yeah, we're forging forward. Well, good. And how is he now? He's OK. I mean, he um, from a lot of travel, I mean, when you, when you compete internationally from Australia, you have to... There's a lot of travel involved. And um, from the travelling, we feel that he probably has internally, uh, and, and especially in the last trip home from Kentucky, probably internally not coped as well as we would have liked, which in a horse of his age, he's 15, which is not old, I must say. I mean, he was sort of re- really reaching his peak. Um, he developed the early onset of, of Cushing's um, disease. So metabolically, um, he, hasn't, he, he hasn't been right all year. We've been just wondering what's going on. Unfortunately, Cushing's is a, a disease which um, is quite hard to, to detect. Some of the, some tests prove that Cushing's is quite a good, uh, sorry, is there, and they're good detections of it. But um, we were trying to avoid the, the most risky test, which is called the DEX test. And the DEX test will, will bring about laminitis um, because you're putting a steroid into the horse. Anyway, long story short, um, we didn't do that test and we we're, were trying to sort of skirt around the edges and do the other tests which were coming up negative and then um, anyway, he had a mild laminitic episode um, because the Cushing's is virtually like a sugar diabetes in horses. So with an over um, with an over supply of sugars and starches in his diet, he developed a mild laminitic episode which um, then turned into a, a full-blown episode of which we think we have him stabilised now. So it's a, it's a slow recovery process, but we're, we're hoping that we can bring him back. But uh, he definitely um, won't be fit. Well, I mean, it'll be a miraculous recovery if he's fit for, um, for London. Well, fortunately, you do have another horse in the, waiting in the wings, but it's always sad, you know, when, when you come to that realisation with a horse, you know, because they're just part of the family, isn't it? And they, you know, it doesn't matter yeah. how old they are. That's right. I mean, Vic, Victory Suit and I have done a lot together. We've travelled, I've always travelled with him. So, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Europe with just him and I. So he, he is exactly that. He's part of the family. I, I love that horse and really couldn't imagine um, my dressage life without him. So... I, uh, I mean, there was a there was a week there when things were because he's a big horse. So when you start getting shifting pedal bones with big horses, you know, who knows where it's going to stop. Um, thankfully, uh, things looked to have stabilised, and there was a week there when I was just beside myself, and 
and um, you know the vets were preparing me for the worst. And I, I must say, I, I'm not good under that sort of pressure, <laughs> <laughs> and especially with um, the big Equitana show coming up and my involvement with that show. Uh, there were a couple of days when I just said to someone, "I'm going to explode if the if the, if the pressure doesn't back off here soon." <laughs> so um, yeah, but anyway, I mean, at least we can smile and go forward. And thankfully, he looks very, very happy. And and you wouldn't even know it, to be honest, if um, you know he's that sort of horse. He's just a very highly spirited horse, and 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 he looks fine. So whilst ever he's fine, things are stable. X-rays are showing that nothing's moving. I must say that's the most important thing to me um, is that he's happy and healthy, uh, happy enough to be to be um, to feel good. So yeah, maintaining yeah. that quality of, of of life is all important, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, good luck with that, Brett. And uh, obviously, you'll keep us posted on on him and uh, how Lord of Loxley's going. I mean, coming into an Olympic year, we're going to be talking about Olympic qualifications too as part of the show this week. But we're also going to uh, be talking about the upcoming Equitana show that uh, this week, actually, as we speak, is happening down there in Australia. So we're going to hear more of that from from, uh, Brett in just a minute or a little bit later on in the show as well. But we're also going to talk about the national championships. But before we get into that, because Rachel Sanner, of course, is the new national champion. And so uh, she'll be much in demand right now with that accolade and uh, and going into an Olympic year as well. So we'll talk about all of that, but let's just take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we'll get into further conversation with Brett here about the Australian National Championships, which just took place. But I want to remind you about Equestrian Collections, one of our valued sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show. Have you checked out their extensive range of blankets? Because no matter where you are, as the winter approaches, they have something for everyone. For all weather conditions, from the popular horsewear choices of Amigo, Rhino and Rambo models for turning your horses out in. Be sure you're ready when the weather changes with a brand new blanket from Equestrian Collections. And if you use coupon code HRN at the checkout, you'll get a further $10 off your next order of $100 or more. Equestrian Collections is a participating retailer of the Horse World Gives Back campaign. Well, with me is Brett Parbury. Brett, as you say, you just uh, got... I mean, it's a busy time down under, isn't it? You're getting... just got past the national championships. We're going to talk about Equitana a little bit later on. Now, national champion... Now, the brand-new national champion is Rachel Sanner, a good friend of yours. And I know you were on the sidelines, but tell us uh, how the competition unfolded. Well... It was uh, it was an exciting competition because of the fact that it was uh, the first leg of the regional qualifier. Mm-hmm. So the New Zealanders were over, and uh, we had uh, Rachel uh, Sanna and Chantelle Wigan representing Australia. So as soon as you put your national flag on your jacket, there's always pressure. So that was on the Grand Prix, um, and the New Zealanders did a very, very good job, I think, Louisa Hill was their best scorer. Vanessa Way, again, a very good job. So, um, you know, Nikki Pope was there as well. And um, they did a fantastic job, the New Zealanders. And then uh, Rachel did a great job. She had a little problem with the first extended trot, but then she's the type of competitor that if she has a problem early in the test, I mean, I know I was sitting with someone and um, she had this first little blow up in the extended trot, and I said to the person beside me, "I said, you watch the uh, you watch the nines start coming out now, because she really, I mean, she is just a competitor, and she did the, exactly that. She just 
started peeling off eights and nines. <laughs> and she won the Grand Prix with just under 70. I mean, she would have been well and truly over 70 without the hiccup. Um, and we should remind everybody that was riding uh, Bev Edwards' 12-year-old uh, Hanoverian gelding, J.B. Alabaster, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. So um, so the championships were great. And, and then the second leg happened in Ermelo the following week where the judges flew over to Ermelo and, and the South African team and the other Australians competed in Ermelo, um, which was great. But back on the championships, I mean, Rachel went through and became the Grand Prix champion and well de- and, and deservedly so. And um, she did a, a great special. She was over 70 in the special, over 70 in the curse. So, yeah, she, she's well and truly on form. And, uh, and and I've never seen her riding so well and the horse looking so strong. So they, they're they very, very strong going forward to, to London. Yes, obviously things going well for her. And uh, there were a lot of other uh, classes as part of those Australian championships, weren't they? Brett. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, yeah. And I, believe, um, I believe you picked up one of those titles too. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I had a good show. I mean, I took my younger horses, so I ended up um, with an advanced championship, and and my other horse was the reserve champion. So um, they were great. And then my, I had a young. We have a, a Prince and George Challenge for horses from eight to ten. So I had a, one of my horses won that. Uh, my stable rider David McKinnon, he won the elementary championship. So, so we brought a few championships back to here, and I mean we're just lucky that we have great horses and and we're surrounded by great people. So, um, you know, it's it's always nice when you can win a championship, and 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 the horses went really well. I mean, I'm very very happy with the way things are going. Well, that uh, the advanced champion of yours is QEB Good as Gold. Now, what does the QEB mean? Uh, that's Queensland Equestrian Bloodstock and um, and um, Glenn Pierce. That's who we bought the horse from. And I mean, he that would be I think my next. I mean, him and Weltmeyer are my next horses going forward to Grand Prix. He's probably a little further advanced than Weltmeyer, but but I'm very excited by Good as Gold. He um, he's quite a tricky horse because he's very sharp and very sensitive, especially in the indoor arenas, but. Um, you know, I was only saying to someone yesterday that when I came down the centre line for the second test, which is the 5C, which is the equivalent of a ZZ, ZZ um, Zwa or, or, or a highest level S level test in Germany. Um, so it's the, it's the highest level test prior to, to Prison George. Um, you know, and, and, and he's a sort of horse. I counted down the centre line and halted, and as I trotted off, I mean, I knew I was, I knew I was sitting on the winner because he just felt so good. And when he's really on, he's on. And he's a beautiful-looking horse, very elegant. And, um, I mean, I'm only really tapping into half of what he has to offer. I think the horse will be much, much better at Grand Prix than he, than he is at any other level because he is such a spectacularly hot horse. But he takes a bit of managing. I'm actually going to take him to Equitana, I think, this week and do the master class on him just to expose him to some more, um, some more environments you know, the international calibre environment to getting used to everything. So tell us about that venue where where the national championships were and were they indoors or outdoors, Brett? Uh, they were indoor, well, a bit of both. So it's the Olympic venue from Sydney 2000 Olympics. Okay. Horsley it's Park. Yeah, Horsley Park, so our National Equestrian Centre. It's absolutely wonderful. I mean, still it's still very well maintained and, and state-of-the-art facilities. 
and good surfaces and and really i mean it's just one of the legacies that was left behind by the by the olympic games and um we're very very lucky to have it and stabling's great i mean tony van house as we've said on many occasions runs a very very good show uh, with her team i mean we have to always mention her team as well because they're also hard working and 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 too many to mention but very 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 polished and running a great show um so yeah, it was just again another wonderful championships, and you know you really get a good indication of how good the show is when the the overseas judges come up to you. And I mean, I get to know quite a few of the judges now, so I always get a chance to catch up with them. And and they come up to me and say, you know, we love, we just love coming here. You know, they they get well looked after, and you know they uh, they're in a nice venue and and things. So yeah, I mean, I had a very good feeling about it, especially when uh, Rachel did so well and. And um, I mean, the level of competition was probably the highest I'd ever seen. I think the Priest and George Challenge was probably the best I'd ever seen, um, as far as quality was. And um, yeah, so anyone who doesn't think Australian dressage is on the up is is certainly not um, certainly not the coal face and seeing it all uh, happening before us because it's absolutely improving every year. Well, let's give a shout-out to those winners uh, down there uh, for these championships because it is a big deal, obviously, for Australia and is an indication of the sport's growth. And we should recognise uh, some of those champions. The Gowgates Intermediate, uh, Intermediate One champion was Alexander Burns with King's Legend. The Need for Steeds FEI Pre-Saint-Georges champion was Matthew Dowsley and PSI DiCaprio. Brett, of course, was the advanced champion with QEB Good as Gold. The Hanoverian Horse Society medium champion was Nicole, Nicole Tuff with Flavio. The Wagner's elementary champion was David McKinnon, as you mentioned. He's one of yours, isn't he, Brett? With yeah. Bradgate Park Jats. Uh, Ranvate novice champion was Matthew Dowsley with uh, Don DeSandro. And uh, the, the Cinderella Young Rider Award went to Megan Bryant from New South Wales with Donna Bella. And the mm-hmm. Rod Barker Memorial Trophy went to Nicole Tuff with first time. And Rachel Sanner, as we know, was the national champion. She also won the Crown Law Memorial Trophy with uh, J.B. Alabaster. That was just some of the principles from the national championship, which took place uh, just at the end of October. And it, as I said, it is a big deal. And presumably you get riders from all over the country, do you, for that, Brett? Yeah, look, it's a big country, as we know, and, and there were competitors there from Western Australia. Uh, Queensland, I mean, the majority of... I mean, dressage is certainly centred over around the East Coast, but between Melbourne and, and Brisbane. Um, so most of the people were either Victoria and New South Wales or, or from um, Queensland, but we had some Western Australians, we had some South Australians also. So, yeah, people do travel long and far to come to the show. And um, and uh, because it is, I mean, it's the highlight of everyone's year, really. Yep. So. Um, and yeah. it relies on sponsorship too, and uh, of course. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, these things can only can only. Um, I mean, Tony can only work with what she's supported. You know, how she's supported. So you know, the, we we really are thankful to the sponsors, and and you know, we really hope that we're delivering for the sponsors as well. Um, I mean, it's one thing for them to give us money and we're very thankful for that but I really hope they're getting something out of it as well and um, and we've always I mean I think we have here quite a good culture for trying to support our sponsors because we have to work so hard to get sponsorship 
for the shows and for ourselves. So we actually work very, very hard for our sponsors. Um, and yeah, we're very thankful to them for, for supporting us. And in, 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 what, in what is a, I mean, dressage would be one of the strongest growth equestrian or horse sports in the country. Um, so, you know, very thankful to people for supporting us. Absolutely. Not least of all the title sponsor there of the uh, 2011 Australian Dressage Championships, that was Bates Saddles. And uh, we'll put a link to their website there on dressagenewsouthwales.com.au where you can pick up all the links and find all the winners. There's picture galleries as well by the intrepid uh, uh, Hans Venhaus, who's Franz Venhaus, who's, of course, Tony's husband. <coughs> He's always around with a camera these days, isn't he? He's, he, he almost, you're an official photographer, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, it's like the paparazzi. I mean, you you you, you got to watch him. <laughs> but uh, no, Franz and Tony, as you know, are just the backbone of the sport here, and they do so much for us. You know, it's funny. I was driving out of there on Sunday afternoon after having an exhausting day myself, and there are, there's Franz lifting tables and stacking chairs, and and I thought, you know, that's just that's a they're people who really do it for the love and do it for us because I mean, doing it for free and. When everyone's gone home, they're the, they're the ones they're packing up. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Well, as I said, you can find out more about uh, the Bates Saddles 2011 Australian National Championships, who did what, where and when, um, by following our link on our website. And we're going to talk now about the all-important uh, breadth, you know, for the elite riders, the high-performance riders down under, the, the, that qualification for the London 2012 Olympic Games because that was critical, wasn't it? And to qualify the team is really something for Australia to celebrate. Absolutely. I mean, we really, we really had to have a team there. And 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 whilst we're in a region where, okay, let's let's face it, the sport's not as strong as some of the other regions in the world. I mean, the pressure's still on to be to be dominant there and and to get ourselves in and. and the people that were chosen on the team did an outstanding job, and um, yeah, and got us got our names on the invitation list to go to the Olympics. So very very happy for that. Very relieved, I would imagine too. Yeah. And now, what is the process then down under for any rider that uh, aspires to make that team, Brett? Oh, look, it's um, we have a series of of our squads. So the elite squad is usually the, the people who are chosen, who have performed at Grand Prix and shown that they can perform to a high level. Uh, that's a selected squad. So usually your our representative team comes from the, from the elite squad. Um, I mean, if someone wishes to, or if someone wants to make the team, I mean, they have to really just perform here and then possibly then it's not it's not essential to go overseas, but it's always nice if they can go overseas. I mean, our selection process next year is based in Europe, so anyone who wants to make the team to the games will have to go to Europe and participate in two selection events. Which are those? So they've, so they've made um, Mannheim in in uh, Germany at the end of uh, May, uh, April, at the end of April, beginning of May as one selection, and Compiègne in France um, as the second selection event. And really, that'll just be coming down to you arrive, you do your job, and if you're in the top three, you're a good chance of going to the Games. And if you're not, um, or if it's close, and usually first and second position always pick themselves, and third position will be contested, um, then it comes down to the selectors selecting um, 
if it's a clearly if it's clear on who a one, two, and three, I mean, it'll be very easy to select. But I mean, they, we try to replicate the game's environment, and and I mean, that's exactly what the games are. You, you you go there, you turn up, and you do your job, and and that's what they're trying to replicate in the selection process. So um, trying to choose the people who are seasoned enough to go there and and just deliver on the day. So. I mean, that's really what the, the selection is. Um, the regional qualifier was between Australia, New Zealand and South Africa. And because we're all spread out over the world, we invited New Zealand to here. They fly the judges uh, between the two venues. They had one um, selection, one, one competition here, and one was held in Ermelo in Holland. Um, uh, the competitors here were probably at a slight advantage because they were involved in a competition where in Ermelo it was just six riders or eight riders or something arrived and just rode at Ermelo. So there wasn't that whole competition hype as well. But um, the Australians came out on top with a with an average of 69, which was just outstanding. When we think back to Kentucky last year, I think our average was about 66, and we were we were seventh overall. Uh, maybe we were eighth, I can't remember, seventh or eighth, but just pipped out by the Spanish and the Canadians. So between between the Canadians, the Spanish and us, there was like this very, very small margin, so we could have easily been higher up. But, you know, we were looking at an average of 66, just under 67, and then three girls have, have come out this year and put an average of 69, uh, which is just so exciting for us. So, I mean, it was just wonderful to get us get ourselves invited to the games and with such a great score um, and such a great average. So, yeah, it's it's all going forward. It's all very positive for us. Oh, good. Well, um, one obviously there's there's a, always even though victory salute uh, may be uh, waiting in the shadows right now to decide what next for him. Um, you have Lord of Loxley and you have other horses coming up. So Lord of Loxley would be your main hope now yeah yeah i mean um my plan my plans for next year haven't been affected they've just changed uh, a little bit so lord of loxley now becomes the number one hope uh he's based in europe which means that it'll put us again under quite a bit of pressure to well, me to be in europe competing on him um which means a long time away from home family business the whole thing but I mean it's all part of the Olympic sacrifice and um, something that I have to just plan around and try and do but yeah I, I mean Rachel comes to me and she said listen you know you, you really have to just put your head down and, and just be a part of this process because you know we need you there and I mean and we do We it doesn't matter who gets selected it's about the competition that you create in going into the selections because we don't want to put a team in London that hasn't had to fight where people haven't had to fight to be on the team um, and that's just that's just natural we um, we want it to be a natural growth in our sport that we have to compete and be strong to, to make the team um, so Rachel said look you know you've just got to be there and try and do whatever you have to do to be there and be a part of it and so that's what I'll be doing um, I mean Lord of Loxley hasn't done a Grand Prix yet. He he is actually ready. Um, and last night I had dinner with Edward Cal because he's here for Equitana, and we discussed it. And he said, yes, he's 100% ready for Grand Prix. Let's look. Let's start looking for shows. 
So uh, whilst he's inexperienced, I mean, uh, that's my job. I'm, I'm the rider and I've got to get out there and just nurse him through some Grand Prix and, and try and get his confidence and get some routine behind him um, at the level. But then in the quality of the horse, is, is, there's no question there. He's a very, very uh, good quality horse. And, and I did some shows this year with him, some small tour shows to get a feel on what he's like in the ring and he's actually good. So it's just a matter of getting back to Europe and getting into some of the indoor winter shows and, 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 and getting some routine behind me. When would you actually go back to Europe then, Brett? Oh, I think I'll have to go in January. I mean, if I'm going to give this a real shot, I have to get over there. I don't want to feel like I'm playing catch-up. Um, so I think the earlier I get there, to be honest, I should be there now. But with Victory Salute being... Um, you know, I want to be here for him, and I want to be here... Uh, if next year I'm away so much, I want to be here with my family and my business and try to get things tidied up here before I actually go and commit to being in Europe for next year. So, um, yeah, I would say January, second or third week in January will be when I'll relocate. And what about the family then? You'll get at least have, have Christmas with them. Will they come to Europe with you later on in the year? Yeah, yeah. I think um, because we, uh, we're a professional stable, I mean, we and we have staff, I mean, either my wife or I have to be here at all times to to make sure things are going along smoothly. So um, that limits how much we can travel together, um, unfortunately. But definitely, I mean, I, my, my wife and, and my baby uh, boy, Jake, they'll come over next year to catch up with us, uh, catch up with me, and I'll try and fly home periodically uh, for a week here and there as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I couldn't do that whole stint without either coming back or them coming over. I mean, I'm going to use next year to try and talk to my wife and see if she would even enter the thought of us basing in Europe for for maybe um, either this campaign or maybe the next campaign for the World Games. I mean, mm-hmm. with all this travel, the business is, the business just takes such a hit. So, in some ways, it's a little bit smarter to, to be based in Europe. But for us, for me to be based in Europe, I have to earn money and earn income. So. I may even try and use this trip to try and feel out a little bit of, you know, is it possible that I can survive over there and see if my wife would enjoy living there and then maybe for the build-up to the the Normandy World Equestrian Games, maybe we base there for a year or something before it. Well, that would be nice. You get the flavour of French cuisine and, uh, you know, the French lifestyle maybe or, you know, at least a European uh, culture for a while, some European lifestyle. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? No, nothing wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> it's um, it's funny. Like I just hop out of the airport now, and it's it, I do that much travel there, and and I dread getting on the plane, but I love getting off at the other end. And it's funny. I walk out of um, Skipple Airport, and I know exactly where the coffee shop is. I want to buy my coffee, and I go and get my car, <laughs> and it's like such a routine. I don't even use a navy anymore, and um, and uh, you know, I I do love it in Europe. It's um, it's it's a wonderful place, and you really there's an electricity that goes with being on the continent and and uh, being in the stables over there and in those horse shows. So yeah, I do love it. It's very addictive. It, it really is. There's nothing like arriving somewhere and know exactly where to find you know the, the coffee shop and yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, wonderful. Well, all that to look forward to. Well, obviously, we'll have you back on the show as the uh, months unfold in preparation for 
the 2012 Olympic Games. And, uh, and to remind everybody that uh, the Horse Radio Network will be there in London. I will be there for co- coverage of all the Olympic disciplines. So uh, I'll, I'll hopefully see you there, Brett. Um, we will we will get together and we'll do some talking about uh, dressage while we're there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a long yeah, exactly. that's a long way off though. But as you just uh, said earlier, that Equitana is, is underway in uh, in Sydney, and that's uh, a big event for you guys down there, isn't it? So uh, you'll be heading there once we get off the line here. You'll be uh, heading over there. Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what you expect as a grand. Final and there's a masterclass. There's a lot going on for dressage, isn't there, at Equitana? Yeah, well, I went to dinner last night with the with the owners of Equitana, and and they were telling me on how ticket sales and things are going, and 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 um, I think the masterclass with Edward and Hans Peter, there's there's like 50 tickets left, and I think it's, it holds a bit over 5,000 in the stadium. Um, the grand final concept. So when it when it comes to dressage, I mean, there's two very exciting things. There's this, there's the new concept developed by Equestrian Australia, which is a grand final concept. And uh, the Australian public really associate with, with grand final because some of the major sporting days of the year in our calendar um, are based around a grand final of our, of our sports. Um, so rugby league, um, AFL. And, and grand final is something that people the general public associate with. So the Equestrian Australia came up with a concept, let's, de- let's bring the grand final concept across to Equestrian and see how it works and market it on that basis. So all three disciplines um, have a grand final. Um, the dressage grand final is going to be uh, from the freestyle. Um, it's an invite-only show, so... They've used some of the events during the year to qualify. Um, the eventing is going to be a 40-20 um, sort of derivative dressage test, and then they're going to, as eventers do, go up at high speed um, around the Sydney showground, jumping both show jumps and um, uh, prefabricated um, eventing jumps. And then the show jumping will just be a normal show jumping class um, and um, yeah so the grand final concept for dressage is, is wonderful and, and I'm, oh, I'm so so disappointed I can't be a part of the very first one I mean I just oh, I'd love to be a part of that but um, not to be um, but yeah Rachel Chantel Heath Rosie they'll all be there and, and, and fighting for it so that'll be exciting and then when it comes to the master class and the educational side of Equitana we're lucky enough to have Edward Carl and Hans-Peter Minderhood out here and they're good friends of mine as, as you know and um, I organised them to come out and you know so far so good they're having a wonderful time we went out on a lovely boat um, on Sunday um, with the Oatley family and gave them a nice uh, tour around Sydney Harbour and a lovely lunch and then last night we went to a lovely seafood restaurant and, you have uh, loads of nice seafood restaurants in Sydney. Oh, we do. Yeah, we're very <laughs> lucky. Yeah, yeah, very lucky. And the boys love their food. So um, we did that with them last night. And today they're just parading themselves around Sydney doing a bit of shopping and and um, having a day off. And then they're at work. They have to go to work tomorrow, of course. And then, um, yeah, so the masterclass is something that I'm involved in organising. And I'm really excited about the format that we have for the masterclass. It's going to be... 
uh, interesting in the sense that they're going to be riding uh, borrowed horses and and borrowed horses not just Grand Prix but some younger horses as well so we can see how the boys ride the younger horses mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll sort of work um, I will be riding in the masterclass myself but I'm going to try and work as a bit of an intermediary between Edward and Hans Peter and the audience in trying to just ask the questions and 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 relay anything back to the audience that um, might be lost in translation or anything like that. Ask ask questions and just try and be a conduit between the the um, the presenters, the stars, and the and the audience. So yeah, I'm very excited about it. It should be a lot of fun, and I just want. I mean, I really like to give people the feeling that um, that what they're seeing in the arena is something special such as Edward helping Hans Peter with a horse and, and vice versa and then Edward giving me a hand or Edward giving some of our riders that we've chosen a hand and I want the people to feel like they're they're spying on a training session I don't want there to be any secrets and I don't want there to be any I don't want it to be one of these sort of dressed up master classes where everything's nice and good and good I want people to see training of dressage horses and as we all know, training of any horse is not always smooth and it's not always um, the way you want it to go. And I want it to be real. I want people to be able to walk away and say, ah, they have the same problems I have. And that's how they solved it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit sick and tired of the... Of the, the um, showcase masterclass where everything looks perfect you know what I mean? Well, and, it never is, um, is it? It's never perfect. I mean, it's it's a it's a a fairy tale to think that training any horse goes smoothly, especially when you're trying to create the most energy from the horse, which we all know we require to compete at a high level. Um, but if it's understandable to the horse, and the rewards come at the right time, and the corrections come at the right time then it's training and and um, that's what I want to put across to to the people and I want and look Australian people they know we know that I mean we have a wonderful horse uh, culture in this country and a lot of good very very good horse men and women so they know it's not perfect so you don't and that's what I said to the boys last night you don't have to hide any secrets here people know how training horses works in this country so so really just be natural, let it happen. If something goes wrong, that's actually good because that's what we want to see. We want to see what goes wrong and how to fix it. Yeah, so, it's all about the process, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, when, when things do go wrong, what is the process? Where, what do we, t- we t- typically take it back to the basics, don't we? You know, yeah. And, uh, and just take our time you know, with the, with the process of it all when you can't make any shortcuts there. That's right, exactly. No shortcuts and, and absolutely, and you said it, top quality basics. Just come back to the basics and that's really what I would like people to walk away from 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 the masterclass is to go, yep, it didn't work, but they came back to these solid basics. And we all know that if people have good basics, you can always get yourself out of trouble. So... Um, you can build yeah. your house on a sound foundation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
exactly. <laughs> and yeah. We should point out though, when when you said earlier that you're going to be there to facilitate and and, and help in the any interpretation and translation, but it, it's not because you're fluent in Dutch, is it? It's because <laughs> you, yeah, want to, it's you want to make so sure that the, the translation in terms of the uh, the horse language, not not the Dutch language, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my Dutch, you know, is very very limited, but. Yeah, exactly that. I would like to ask the stupid question because we all know the stupid question is what is on everyone's mind. It's not actually a stupid question. Um, it's actually the question that could link the whole thing together for someone. Um, and I'm the king of stupid questions. So I said to the boys, it'll be easy for me to ask stupid questions. So I do it naturally. But um, yeah, just to ask the very simple question that someone might just have in the back of their mind that that the boys have said because it's, I mean I we just completed this training DVD that I I did here and it is hard to write and talk keep on your system keep keep on your pattern watch the clock no you know you've got ten minutes to go and you want to cover X Y and Z but the horses you're not going there with the horse because you don't want to you know so many variables and and um, and I would like to be in the middle just trying to... I mean, it's not about... Muscles is not about me. I just want everyone to get their value for money. And, it, and I, I hope that I have to say nothing. That would be even better. But um, I want people to walk away and say, well, you know, we really, really enjoyed that. That was... You know, we know exactly how they work. We know exactly what I have to do. And, and people to walk... I mean, you can't get anything better... Than people walking out of there and wanting to go and catch their horse and go for and, and train their horse. Mm, quite. So, yeah. Yeah, and we should remind everybody, of course, that Equitana runs uh, from the 10th to the 13th of November at the Sydney Showground. Gosh, it takes me back a long time into the Sydney Showground. You really have some fabulous facilities there, and uh, you know, yeah. it, it, and it's and, and it is wonderful. Uh, you know, exposition of the equestrian uh, industry by t- attending Equitana. There's so many... And I know um, Clayton Fredericks, of course, big friend of the Australian... of the dress... of dressage, of the eventing <laughs> radio show. He uh, is down there for uh, uh, eventing to... Uh, yeah, yeah, I had a message right from him yesterday. He uh, He's here, larger than life. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, Clayton is just what's a wonderful character. I mean, it's always great when he comes back for Equitana because he is just such a superstar... And a wonderful character um, worldwide. So, yeah, it would be great to catch up with him. Absolutely. Well, lots going on at Equitana. We'll put a link on our our show notes, of course, so you can follow that and make sure if you're in the area to visit Equitana and catch up with Brett. Go and say hi to Brett as well. Mm. I'm sure uh, he'll be able to uh, translate for you. Anything you didn't understand in Dutch, he'll be able to translate for you. (laughs) (laughs) Providing it's um, ordering food or... (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's about a limit of my Dutch, I'm afraid. (laughs) Well, before we go this week, I want to start to read to you an extract from a brand new uh, book, uh, Stories from the Saddle by Samantha Miles, which is uh, an Australian title. It is, a, it is celebrating uh, biographies of Australian riders from the three Olympic disciplines. And, of course, here on the Dressage Radio Show, there's no better person to celebrate than Mary Hanna, of course, an expose of Mary's ha- Mary Hanna's life in this beautiful new book, Stories from the Saddle. We'll put a link uh, on our website to how you can find that book by Samantha Miles. But here is an extract from the chapter on Mary Hannah. Stories from the Saddle 
by Samantha Miles. Mary Hannah. Mary Hannah is one of Australia's most respected dressage riders and trainers. She has represented Australia at no fewer than three Olympic Games, including Atlanta 1996, Sydney 2000, and Athens 2004. Mary was the first dressage rider from Australia ever to compete in the individual section of Olympic dressage. Mary has also represented Australia in the World Equestrian Championships in 1994 and 1998 on her small but phenomenal horse Mosaic, and again in 2002 on Limbo. Additionally, Mary has been the Australian National Grand Prix champion on six occasions. Along with her first husband Gert Domvig, Mary had played a key role in introducing the warm blood breed of performance horses to Australia. And was a founding member of the Australian Warm Blood Association. Horses have always been a huge part of my life. In my family, riding horses was not an option, but more a compulsory activity. Being brought up on a sheep and cattle property in the western districts of Victoria, daily life usually involved saddling up a horse to go and check paddocks or round up stock. Even as small kids on our ponies, we were always eager to help. Rain, hail, or shine, we would be out there. My sister Heather was just as horse mad as me, and we managed to get up to all sorts of tricks on our ponies. We both loved to jump, and I recall Heather always seemed to end up with a pony that jumped the best. She had one sensational pony called Lantana. That pony could jump anything. In fact, she was such a great jumper that we often had trouble catching her in the paddock. As we approached her, armed with a bucket of feed and halter, she would wait until we were within a few meters before slyly trotting off toward the nearest wire fence and jumping straight over. Her record was forty-four fences one morning before a show. Despite being only fourteen one hands high, she became an A grade show jumper and competed at several royal shows. Heather and I would make show jumps out of anything we could find around the farm, and when we had jumped every possible obstacle we had made, we would head off down the driveway and jump the picket fence or stone wall or the strainer posts next to the gateways. For Lantana, this was too easy, but my pony Joker had nowhere near Lantana's talent. So I would sometimes get left on the wrong side of the fence. On one occasion, he dumped me right in the middle of some barbed wire fencing,、uh, which of course ended in tears and left a nasty scar on my arm. While Heather and I could easily spend endless days just playing with our horses, Mum was really into the competitive side of riding. My desire to compete was developed by her. Before she had us, my mother had been a great jumping rider. And competed at royal and country shows all around Australia. In her day, jumping was done at speed over enormous telephone poles with water and dishes, and often in teams of four. There was good money to be won, so she would go on the road with a team of jumpers and make quite a tidy sum, as all her horses were exceptionally talented. She loved the gypsy life and would head off for weeks at a time around New South Wales, competing on the show circuit. Heather and I were the children of my mother's second marriage, and my father put the brakes on her gypsy life, encouraging her to spend more time looking after us and helping on the farm. However, the itch was still there, so she would cart us off at as many shows as possible. 
Dad didn't seem to mind as long as we were the main attraction and she didn't blow the budget, which she was inclined to do on a regular basis. Money being spent on horses was often the subject of serious discussion between my parents, so much so that one day I remember Dad completely spat the dummy and refused to pay the farrier for any more horses to be shod. Being my mother's daughter, I thought, stuff that, and dug out a book we had about how to shoe a horse. Armed with the shoeing gear, nails, and my book, I proceeded to shoe Joker. Fortunately, he was very patient. After four sweaty hours, I finally got his four feet attached to four shoes. It looked pretty ugly, and they only stayed on for about a week. But I think Dad got the message. He gracefully gave in and allowed my mother to call the farrier. I first realized the importance of competition when I was nine years old. Mum and one of her showy friends had organized for me and her friend's daughter, Jan, to ride in the pairs class at Melbourne Royal. Jan and I were great friends anyway, so we were very happy to oblige. The mothers went to enormous trouble to make sure everything perfectly matched, from the two brown ponies, our jackets and hats, right down to the ponies' brow bands. Jan was a very good rider, and I had placed second in my rider class, so we were hot contenders. All began well. We trotted out into the ring, and the ponies were working nicely, stepping in unison side by side. We held it together, as per instructions, walk, trot, and canter, and, yes, we were called in first. Feeling pretty pleased with ourselves, we lined up in first position. Of course, being rather excited, we couldn't help chatting. The steward came over and explained the, what he wanted us to do, and off we trotted. First a circle to the right, and then a smooth change over to the left, and then trot straight across in front of the judges. Whoops, neither of us could remember if we were meant to do rising trot or sitting trot. Oh, well, you sit and I'll rise, and that way we least one of us will be right, I suggested. Giggling, we trotted back to the judges. Clearly, we had not paid enough attention to the instructions as the judge slipped us down to third place. But we were not too worried. We still had a ribbon and lots of fun doing it. However, all was not well with the mothers. As we came out of the marshalling yard, two red-faced women exploded at us. You girls did not do the correct workout. You just threw that away. Jan's mother was spitting mad, and my mother, usually very well-mannered and rather quiet at competitions, joined in. We were marched back to the stables, literally pulled off our ponies, and after being stripped of our perfectly matching gear, thrown like a pair of escaped criminals into a stable. My mother refrained from physical violence, but Jan got a good cuff around the ear. No sideshows, no mad mouse, and definitely no fairy floss for us. I am sure, in retrospect, my mother would have been embarrassed by the incident, but for me, it was a revelation. Although my mother was usually much less prone to public displays of disappointment and had taught us to congratulate other competitors and not show any resentment if beaten, it was clear to me that winning was very important and a measure of your success as a person. Rightly or wrongly, this view has stuck with me for life. Eventually, the day came when I was the lucky one who got the good show jumper. My mother purchased a very athletic chestnut thoroughbred called Felspar from the local racehorse trainer for $150. dollars. 
He had no hair on his legs, shocking mud fever, and was skin and bones. But he could jump. I loved him. He was the start of my dreams to compete at the Olympics in the three-day event. Living in the western districts of Victoria, we were surrounded by Olympic riders such as Laurie Morgan and Bill Roycroft. I was lucky enough to be taught and inspired by Bill at our local pony club. He was fantastic. He really made you feel you could do it. At pony club camp, he taught us during the day and at night regaled us with stories about the Olympics. We hung on his every word. By the time I was sixteen. I was totally obsessed with the sport of eventing. It was all I dreamed and thought about. Going to the Olympics was my ultimate goal. Everything I planned in my life from then on was about positioning myself to make that dream happen. My father, always the voice of reason, said if I studied hard and did well enough in my exams, he would pay for me to have a horse in Melbourne while I was at university. So I studied like there was no tomorrow, and got into arts at Melbourne University. This was conveniently not so far from Oakland's Hunt Club, the then home of the Melbourne three-day event, which at that time was Australia's premier event. I received a teaching scholarship and held my father to his promise. I ended up with two horses while I was studying, and had the time of my life. Being so close to Oakland's was brilliant. Every day I rode, I would set my sights on one of the three-day event fences. Ultimately, and of course illegally, I jumped every fence in the advance course, including the huge Normandy bank. It was great for my confidence and my horse's confidence. However, although my jumping skills really improved, dressage was my weak link. One day, a friend from Oakland said, "Hey, Mary, you've got to meet this Danish guy from Stockwell Stud." He knows all about dressage. My friend arranged a dinner party, and it turned out that the dressage guy was rather tall and good-looking, and had a beautiful Great Dane dog, which just happened to be my favourite breed at that time. This was enough for me to be immediately weak at the knees and fall madly in love. Stories from the Saddle by Samantha Miles is published by Harper Collins Publishers, two thousand and eleven. And finally, this week it's time to hear from the U.S. Dressage Federation. Well, joining me again for the monthly update from the U.S. Dressage Federation is Catherine Robertson. Hi, Catherine. How are you? I'm fine, Chris. How are you? I'm um, good, thank you. Uh, of course, you're ramping up now to your convention. Your annual convention this year it gets really busy over there, doesn't it? Yes, it's very busy. We've got the convention and symposium coming up, and we're also preparing for our trainers conference. It's going to be in Florida in January this year. Well, all right. So tell us、uh, what you have for us this month. Then I believe you have a guest from overseas. We do. Today we're going to be speaking with Christoph Hess. And Christoph, welcome to the radio show, and thank you for joining us today. Oh yes, hello, Catherine. Nice、uh, hearing your voice. I'm just on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean in、uh, Germany, especially in Warendorf, which is a little bit the heart of horses here in Central Europe. And I'm very much looking forward listening to you and listening to all these questions. And welcome everybody in the U.S. Well, Christoph, you're going to be our featured presenter at the Succeed USDF FEI Level Trainers Conference that is coming up in Florida in January. And in a recent write-up, 
that um, we did in the October issue of USDF's Connection magazine, you said that properly done and understood, Grand Prix is nothing less than the perfection of the basic training. That yes. basic training goes back to the classical system. And can you tell us what is the classical way of riding? Yeah, uh, thank you for this. From my point of view, very, very important question. I think um, before I give a special answer and explain what is a classical way of training, I just want to say that many people, especially spectators who are not so very much involved in the sport, especially in the dressage sport, they often think that uh, training horses on a higher level is a little bit like training dogs for a circus show. But um, the classical principle, um, how to train horses, is um, basic work, mainly I would say 90% basic work uh, to the scale of training. And there we have um, six things in mind um, to explain our instructors, what they have to do with their horses or horse and rider combinations, um, because these are, these are the very, very important things. The very first thing is that a horse has to learn to be in a, in a good rhythm, find the right tempo in a good rhythm in all three gates. Then the horse, and this is, I think, very, very important for all horses, especially for the sash horses to get high marks, is that the horses have to be well relaxed in all parts of the test, if possible, in all parts of the training session. The next thing is that the horse needs to have a proper contact, a proper contact between the horse's mouth and the rider's hand. And when you say contact, or when I say contact, I mean the whole outline of the horse. That the horse is really stretching his neck, using his, uh, his neck, and seeking the bit. This is the, the third part. And then to make a, um, a test um, yeah, spectacular in a positive way means that the horse needs impulsion, that the horse learns to swing, that the horse has cadence, um, in trot work, in uh, in the canter work, and has a good covering ground and an active walk. This is the fourth thing. And the fifth thing is, and most of the horses are crooked. And it is very important for the classical way, or when you school the horse in the classical way, to straighten the horse, which is a process from um, zero till the end of the uh, days when the horses are under the saddle. Every day you have to straighten your horse. And the last, the very last thing is that you have to collect your horse because you need collection to bring more weight from the front to the back and because this is important to ride these wonderful movements like piaf, passage, pirouettes and all these very difficult uh, movements uh, to be on international or national Grand Prix level. Christoph, what should trainers do to get better results from their students? Um, I think um, if a trainer um, looks to his horse and rider combinations, he always has to ask, what is wrong with the basic things? I think many trainers often repeat very often movements which are not well presented. But to be honest, when you look behind the curtain, then you will see most of the horse and rider combinations don't have a special problem in the movement Okay, that is the obvious thing, but the reason of this problem is that the horses and the riders together 
have problems in the basic things, that they are not in rhythm in Kenta, for instance, and they try to write flying changes or periods. If there is not a clear three-beat rhythm, this will not work. Or when they have not a clear proper contact with a good self-carriage between uh, hand and mouse, or the rider's hand and horse's mouse, then they are not able to produce a nice medium or extended trot. Or if the horse is not properly in front of the rider at his or her driving aids, then the rider is not able to produce a proper passage or piaf. And as long as the rider is not, uh, if the horse is not in front of the rider, um, then it is not useful to train all the time piaf and passage. You always will get bad results. That means that the trainer has to look very, very careful that the basic things are okay, and then he can ask for special movements. And then at the end, he will get better results, higher scores, and better rankings in uh, the different comp um, competitions. And what do you see as some of the main problems in the training system worldwide? Yeah, other the main thing is <clears throat> that many trainers don't analyze where the problems are coming from. What is the reason? And I think um, the trainers have to uh, to be trained themselves very much in theory, theoretic things as well. Practice is very important, but you have always to look behind uh, the curtain to see what is the th theory behind all these things, what we are doing with our horses. And uh, therefore, first thing is they have to um, school more theoretic things to understand properly the classical way of training. This is the very first thing. And the second thing is that they have to know what are the golden rules, what are the key points which are important um, for the rider and the horse um, to be at the end successful. And there we have, I would say, six or eight key points which you have to have in mind um, if you want to be a, a successful trainer. Well, thank you, Christoph. You can see and hear more about Christoph's philosophies by visiting eTrack, USDF's online learning center for dressage and equine education. If you want more information on the Succeed USDF FEI Level Trainers Conference and to visit eTrack, you can go to the USDF website at www.usdf.org. Thank you again, Christoph, for joining us today. Thank you very much. Back to you, and back to you, Chris. Uh, well done. Thank you, Catherine. And just remind us all of those dates for this year's symposium. Our symposium this year is going to be in San Diego at the Del Mar um, Fairground. Our uh, symposium will start on Saturday, December 3rd, and we'll have um, an all-day presentation with the four USEF coaches. We'll have a lecture on Saturday night, and the festivities will conclude on Sunday, uh, December 4th, and we will have a very special equine guest joining us on Sunday. Ah, some, some uh, surprises there to come. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. Thanks again to Christoph Hess joining us from Germany for the USDF's monthly update. And, Catherine, we will see you back here next month. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. I'm very much looking forward to seeing all you in um, in January in, in Florida, and all my very best regards to you and to all American dressage riders. 
I'm very much looking forward to see you again. Well, Brett, uh, that about wraps it up for us uh, this week. Um, you, as I said, you've got to run off to Equitana, and uh, then before you know it, it will be Christmas. I mean, once Equitana's over, that's it for me. There's another big show in, in Victoria, but um, we won't be going. And, um, yeah, then it's just a matter of getting ready to go to Europe again and start the whole Olympic year. I mean, as soon as that calendar clicks over to 2012, things get crazy. And uh, you watch next year, there's going to be... Ho- ups and downs and highs and lows and horses doing this and people doing that it's just the olympic year is a crazy year and i mean as we've seen already some big horses have sold some big name horses have sold uh in europe and people are just making their i call it the chess moves everyone's making their chess moves uh before they get into 2012 and before everyone starts looking towards team performances and and winning medals and 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 increasing their their status on the world scene so yeah it's exciting it's exciting and i love it i mean that's that high level competition is i mean i I just love doing it and love being a part of it and i really hope that i can get lord of loxley um up there and and ready to go for the uh, selection events absolutely well full steam ahead for you brecht Uh, keep us posted and come back and visit us anytime won't you yeah will do chris and um before i go i'd just like to thank you for being a wonderful supporter of Australian Dressage and we really appreciate it and we love we appreciate the exposure you give us and and um, and the fact you give us uh, airtime on your wonderful show and, and thank you very very much Oh you're very welcome, we will be following you with interest of course as Australia gets to London next year and we'll be keeping you right up to date with how that unfolds here on the Dressage Radio Show Well that about wraps it up for, for me this week, uh, of course our thanks to Brett again for joining me this week and to, to uh, all of you wherever you are in the world. Don't forget you can check out all our show notes at dressageradio.com. And I do have a new app before you go. Do you have an iPhone, Brett? I don't actually. I have a Samsung. I'm not as fancy as you guys with these iPhones, <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy with my Samsung. <laughs> all right. Well, my, my, my app of the week is um, Text and Drive. Text and Drive will actually... Um, it will voice your emails as they come on. Once it's switched on, and if you're driving, it will read to you either the subject heading or the entire email. Uh, so that's really useful. To you. And if you upgrade to the pro version, you can actually reply by voice, so you never have to really look at your phone. So that's my choice of iPhone apps this week. Don't forget the other app, uh, which I've mentioned on the show before, Instacast, which uh, is a... It's an app for podcasts, so you can download all the shows on it. Actually, automatically, uh, when you open the app, it will refresh and, uh, and upload the latest episodes uh, from any of our shows here on the Horse Radio Network. So Instacast on your iPhone. I think you can get it on Android as well. So uh, check those out and uh, let me know if you have a favorite app and uh, if it's horse-related too, even better. So that that about wraps it up. Don't forget to check our show notes. Join us on Facebook, as always, and follow us on Twitter. I will be back at the same time, same place next week. So until then, thank you all for listening. (laughs) 